Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me tonight back to the book of, of Mark, where we were on Sunday, Mark, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. We were talking on Sunday and have been talking for uh, a couple or three weeks now about the importance of what you hear, getting the word down on the inside of you. And uh, after explaining the parable of the sower, and I had, so, I had said a couple of times going into this that my objective was not to teach on the parable of the sower, but to talk about things related to it. Tonight, I'm going to, uh, this will be a little bit different on Wednesday nights if I, if I continue this on for a couple of weeks. It'll, it'll, it'll have more to do with, with what he said uh, about, the, about the sower, but I want to tie it in with what he said afterwards. In verse 21, he, he said, it says, also he said to them. So in connection with what he said about uh, the sower sowing the word, he said, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now, we pointed out that in Matthew, that, that illustration was used about letting our light shine, that we don't uh, light a lamp and, and hide it under a bed, but we put it on a lampstand. He said, let your light shine before men. Here he's using that, that illustration, but he's illustrating something different. He's talking about... In the parable of the sower, he's talking about three things. He's talking about the, the action of the word. He's talking about uh, bearing fruit. And he's talking about revelation. Because several times, if you read Matthew's account, if you read Mark's account, and Luke's account, that's Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, where he teaches on the parable. Several times he talks about hearing and understanding. And uh, so with that in mind, he, he says, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a table? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Now, I think most of the time people, when they've read verse 22, they take that as, as sort of a, a warning that uh, your sins will find you out. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. Now, it's true that sin unconfessed and unforsaken will find you out. But sin that is put under the blood of Jesus is gone forever. Amen. So Jesus here wasn't really warning about uh, your sins coming to light. That's not, what, that's not what was under discussion. He was talking about the revelation that comes from the word. And, he, and he's saying that you don't light a lamp and put it under a bed somewhere. You put it on a lampstand so that people can see the light. God is not hiding things from the church. And he's not hiding things from you. I made this statement that any revelation or illumination or understanding of the word you need, you'll get it. If you will ask, seek, and knock. If you will be persistent and stay with it. There's, what I said was there's nothing that you need to know God won't, that he will uh, withhold from you. He won't withhold anything you need to know. And so this is what he's talking about. He didn't bring the revelation that he's brought in these uh, last few years to hide it. He brought it to be revealed. And there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed. That is anything that we need and it's anything that it's his will for us to know. That doesn't mean that, that everything about God will be revealed because we couldn't contain everything about God. We couldn't understand everything about God. But everything that we need to know, everything pertinent to the new creation, the new covenant, uh, our rights and privileges, our responsibilities, what God's called us to do, and what he's enabled us to do, there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed if we'll have a heart for it. And then he said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In Luke's account, it says that he cried out, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's saying, uh, hear it. Don't be some, someone who hears and doesn't understand. Have ears to hear. Then he said, take heed what you hear. So we talked about that. Take heed. It's so important that you, that you keep a watchful eye out on everything you hear. 
Because the enemy is constantly trying to feed us information, perspective, uh, uh, ideas, philosophies, and the, and the, the, the uh, wisdom of this age comes to us from every direction. And we need to be very careful about what we hear. Not letting things get down on the inside of us and produce fruit that we don't want in our lives. Isn't that right? He said, take heed what you hear, what you hear for with the same measure you use in hearing, it will be measured back to you. Now, we know from Luke's gospel that it won't just be measured back simply. It'll be measured back compounded. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So when you hear the wrong things, if you feed the wrong things into you, you will have an abundance of wrong things. That wrong uh, understanding, that, that uh, deception or offense or, or false doctrine or whatever that you give your ear to, if you start playing with things and toying with ideas that you know you shouldn't, it will, it will grow in your life. And so he said, don't do that, but take heed, put the right things in. For with the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And those who hear, those who have an ear to hear the word, more will be given. Matthew said, and he will have abundance. Well, we want abundance of the right things. We want abundance of, of what God is saying to us, not what the world is saying to us. Isn't that right? For, for whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. We pointed out that if you are not an active hearer, it's not, it doesn't say whoever has heard, more will be given. It says for whoever has to him, more will be given. It's not what you've had, it's not what you've heard in the past, it's what you're hearing right now. Hearing the word has to be a, 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 an ongoing thing. It has to be a lifestyle. In order to overcome, in order to be a strong Christian, you have to have a lifestyle of, of hearing God's word. In other words, you have to intentionally go after it. If the only time you really receive understanding from the word, or the only time, let me say it like this, if the only time you really look into the Bible and examine what the Bible says is when you're sitting in church, you're, you're falling far behind. There has to, there has to be a daily uh, uh, intake of the Word of God, and it has to be, it, you have to have a hunger for the Word. It's not just reading so many verses or so many chapters a day. Now, there's nothing wrong with the Bible plan of reading through the Bible. I'm not saying that's, that's wrong. I'm just saying there has to be more than that. It's, it's far better to take just a passage of Scripture and feed on it all day long than it is to read a chapter and really not draw anything out of it. So we have to feed on the Word of God. There's a reason for this. Now, uh, go with me to John chapter 10. We'll talk a little bit about the reason for that. Uh, a little more tonight. John chapter 10. Now this is a real familiar scripture. Verse number 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, this is John 10, 7. Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out, will go in and out and find pasture. Now notice verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Notice the thief does not come except to steal kill and to destroy. Now we know who the thief is. Anybody not know who the thief is? The thief is the devil. We know that. And he said the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Whenever, whenever the devil brings you, uh, brings the wrong message to you, when he whispers in your ear and tells you something that your flesh sort of likes, and you're, and you're inclined to kind of give your ear to that, you need to, you need to realize his intention is to steal, 
kill, and destroy. It's not worth it. We cannot, in these last days, we cannot afford to give our ear, even for a, a, just a moment, entertain thoughts that we know are not right. Whether it's, whether it's uh, thoughts of sin and uncleanness or whether it's thoughts of, of, of uh, bitterness or resentment toward our brother or sister in Christ listening to something that, that, that we know we ought not be listening to, it's dangerous. And the enemy is out to, you know, it says he is a thief. The thief, the primary thing a thief, a thief does is steal. That's the number one thing he does. This, steal, this thief steals, kills, and destroys. Steals, kills, and destroys. But I want to focus on the stealing part. The enemy is a thief. It should not surprise us if he steals things. It should not surprise us if he tries to steal things. It should not. So we ought to be on the lookout all the time for anything the devil is trying to steal from us. And he steals it from us by taking the word. Now, it, uh, turn back over to Mark's gospel where we were and notice again how the devil steals. Mark chapter 4, again, In verse number 13, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the, one by the, way, the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their heart. Satan comes immediately. Satan comes immediately to take the word that you hear. He is always after the word. He's always wanting to steal the word from you. I said on Sunday, a lot of people don't really realize it, but it would pay for us to, to uh, recognize the fact that the devil is one of the most faithful church attenders. He never misses a service. He's here tonight. The devil's here tonight. But he's not here to, to, to grow in God. He's here to take what you hear. If you, in, in, it said by the wayside were those who heard the word and if you look at the description, all they did was hear. They didn't, they didn't do anything with the word. They didn't receive it. They just let it, like we say sometimes, fall off, roll off of them like water off a duck's back. They didn't take any action whatsoever. And frankly, I think, I think if we were all honest, we've all come to church at some time in our, in our life and been like that. Just came in, maybe we were tired, maybe we were just on, in a bad mood or somebody had said something we didn't like or our spouse was acting terrible or our kids, you know, were acting terrible or our parents were acting terrible, something, you know, just something that, that had bothered us and we just sit in church. Like, listen, I'm here and that should be good enough. God, I did you a favor by even coming to church tonight. And uh, I tell you what, the word finds no place when we come in like that. We ought to always come in, hang, in hungry because the devil wants to steal the word. But in stealing the word, he, it's not just the word that he's after. He's after the results that could come from the word. The devil wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your health. He wants to steal your money. He wants to break up your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to take everything from you because he's a thief. That's what thieves do. They're always out to steal. Now, I've never, I've never had a a problem with stealing since I was probably maybe 10 or 11 years old. I remember stealing some pears. My, my neighbor had a, had a pear tree and, and uh, guys, my, me and some of my friends you know, in the neighborhood, we would run over to his yard and steal his pears off of his tree and then run. Sometimes, one day I had so many pears there in my pockets. They were everywhere. We ate pears till we were sick. But I, you know, other than the, a few little instances like that, I've never, I've never had a problem with stealing. 
But I know people, or, and, and have known people, they're not my friends now, but I mean, I have known people who, <laughs> not talking about any of you, I'm, I have known people that were just compulsive thieves. You could not put anything down of value, particularly any cash, anywhere around them. They would find it and they would take it. Because there was just, a, it, it's just a, a compulsion they had. And uh, they break into houses and steal things. And, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't really understand. I try not to be overly critical of people because I've never been tempted like that. I'm just not, it's just not something. When I drive down the street and I go by a house and the garage is open and I don't see any cars, it doesn't, I don't fight with the, with the temptation of just turning around and going back in there and going into that garage and just taking anything I can find. I just don't deal with that. That's not something that, that, that uh, uh, appeals to me or I just don't think that way. But there are people that do think that way. And it's, and it's a, a spirit that operates in them or something about the way they were raised or something. That's where they get tripped up. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not tempted that way, so it's no big boast on my part to say, well, you know, I don't steal things. Well, big deal. I'm not really tempted to steal things. You know, you, you might not uh, have a tendency to steal, but what are your tendencies of the flesh? What are the areas that the enemy tries to trip you up? Are you any better in resisting those areas than the person I talked about that couldn't resist the temptation to steal? We, we want to, you know, point out people and say, well, I'd never do anything like that. Yeah, the reason you'd never do anything like that is because it doesn't appeal to you. You're not really tempted. What if, what if you were really tempted to steal like that? You'd probably uh, have as much success... Uh, uh, resisting that temptation as you do the one to gossip or whatever, whatever it is that, that you might struggle with. Isn't that right? So I try not to be uh, overly condemning of people, but we can, we, can, we can certainly condemn sin and wrong living. We're not against the people who do it, but we have to take a, a stand for what's right. And so the thief is always out there to steal something. He wants to steal your courage. He wants to defeat you. He wants to steal your comfort in life. Take away the things that are important to you. Now, uh, just for clarification, I'm not here tonight to uh, just talk about the devil and what he can do. We're not trying to magnify the devil, but the Bible does teach us that we need to be aware of his devices. Isn't that right? We have to understand how he works not understanding how the devil works, not understanding that he's the thief and God's the blesser, you would think that's basic, but it's not basic for a lot of Christians because a lot of Christians are constantly blaming God for something the devil does. Something, some kind of a tragedy or something bad happens and people, and you've heard it and I have too. I was raised hearing this. Well, you know, the Lord, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, that's just, now that's in the Bible, but it's not true. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's true. Everything in the Bible is truly stated, but not everything that's stated is true. For example, the, the, the Pharisees said Jesus had a demon. So that's truly stated, but it's not a true statement. When Job and his friends said, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was not the wisdom of God talking. So the Lord gives, but he does not take away. The thief is the one who takes away. The thief comes to steal. But because people don't really understand that, they're always, you know, blaming God for things that the devil's done. And as long as, as, long as you're doing that, you'll never, you'll never identify where the problem is, and you'll never be able to stand against it. So we're not magnifying the devil tonight. We're just exposing how he operates. Now, there are some areas of attack that the enemy likes to, his, some of his favorite areas, one of his big areas that he likes to attack us in is in our health. He's constantly trying to attack our health. He's constantly also trying to attack our, attack our finances, 
our families. These are big areas that are so important to us and the enemy is constantly trying to attack us because he wants to take these things from us. Now, what we need to understand is where, where, where healing is concerned, we're not trying to get healed. We're not, healing is not something we're trying to get. When you, when you symptoms show up in your body and, and some type of, of illness comes into your life, if you're trying to get healed, you're really at a disadvantage because the Bible says we're already healed. Go over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse number four says, surely he, this is talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs and the word sorrows are translated sickness and pains multiple times in the Old Testament. That's really what those words refer to. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Well, if he bore them, and the words born and carried are the same words that's used in different places in this same chapter about how he bore our sins and carried our sins away. Well, if Jesus bore our sins and carried them, then that means he took them off of us. He freed us from them. Isn't that right? So, we're, so if that's true, then in the mind of God, he has taken these things from us. Well, he has borne our sicknesses, Jesus has, and carried them away. Oh, glory to God. Now, I know it says, it says griefs and sorrows, but the best way to find out what he really intended, I mean, I, I pointed out that, uh, that those words are translated sickness and pains, but the best Commentary on it is in, in Matthew chapter 8. If you'll turn over there, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He's, this is a direct quote from Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our pain. So this is, this is the Holy Spirit common, uh, commenting on what he had already said through the prophet Isaiah. So this is, the be, this is the best commentary right here. It's better than anybody else's commentary. I have, you know, I have books of commentaries and you know, what people have written about this verse and that verse and all the verses of the Bible. And, and I appreciate those things. But this is, this is God's commentary. Surely he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. If you read on down in Isaiah, in, in the fifth verse, it, it says, and by his stripes we are healed. And then on 1 Peter, turn over there, 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, if we are healed, if we were healed, then we are healed. So if you are healed, then the enemy is trying to steal your healing. It's not a matter of you, it's not a matter of us trying to get healed. It's a matter of us standing our ground from the devil who's trying to take health and healing from us. Now I know it's a little difficult when you're in the throes of some kind of, of, of sickness and, and the symptoms are all over and you feel it all over your body and you, you know what the doctor's saying, you know what the report is. I, I know it's, it's easy to say, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor, that I'm not sick, but I'm telling you, I'm sick. I mean, I'm sick. Can't you see I'm sick? I'm, I, I can feel it. It's all over me. But at some point, we have to make a decision to believe what God said over what any other evidence might be. And the Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. 
Well, if I was healed, then I am healed. And if I am healed, then I'm not going to be sick. So you have to, if, if, you are, if you are always trying to get your healing, then you'll never see yourself as having healing. Because it's something you're always trying to get. The, the first time a symptom hits your body, or, or, or usually people don't act on it right away. They let the thing grow and grow and grow until it's got a real strong hold in their, in their flesh. But if you're the kind of person that when illness comes to you, you're trying to get healed, then you don't see yourself healed. You see yourself trying to get something you don't have. And if you never see yourself as being healed, you'll never possess healing. It'll always be something you'll be after. You'll always, there'll be, the, the enemy will attack and attack and attack. And as soon as you get over one thing, something else will come. There'll be multiple things hitting you and you'll always be trying to get something. But if you can see the fact that by his stripes, you were healed, then it becomes a matter of standing your ground. Standing your ground. The problem is a lot of people will only stand for a little while. If, if, if somebody showed up your house, you're sitting in your house and you heard a commotion outside, you go out and you see somebody trying to steal your car, what would you do? Would you sit there and go, oh boy, I really like that car. I guess I'm going to have to go out and get another car. Somebody is stealing. I can see him stealing my car. I, I really like that car. I, I, it's my favorite car. I, I'm going to have to go out and find. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just start talking about how the good old days when you used to have that car. You know, I just, boy, it was good when I had that car. I, I hope I can find another one like it. No, you'd go out in your driveway and say, hey, what are you doing? Get out of my car. Stop. I mean, you'd put up a fight, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would do something. You would not let somebody just drive off in your car. Well, by the same token, we have to stand our ground. You have to stand up and say, no, you don't. This is my body. Jesus healed me. Healing belongs to me. It's my covenant right. And you're not taking it from me. Now, you know, symptoms might persist. That, you know, the, the uh, what's the, what's the uh, commercial, the, the, uh, the guy that's, what's he, what's he called? Uh, huh? Mayhem, that's the guy I'm thinking of. And the mayhem guy. You know, he might persist but he's a thief. You take whatever measures are necessary to say, no, you don't. You're not, you're not stealing my car. You're not stealing my stuff. And, uh, and if he fights back, you just have to fight stronger. That's right. He roars and you roar louder. But see, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a fleshly thing. It's not just, it's not just bravado. It's not just... Uh, you know, just sort of puffing yourself up and, and, and uh, hollering real loud. It comes from understanding what belongs to you. That's why it's so important what you hear. And it's so important, it says, take heed what you hear in Mark. In Luke's version, it says, take heed how you hear. Because see, revelation, that's really what the devil is trying to get out of you. If he, can, he knows if that word gets down on the inside of you, it will change your life. We, we often think of the devil as the big threat. That the devil, you know, we, 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 we don't glorify him. We know he's evil. We know he's defeated. But boy, he's a big threat. What we don't realize is we're the threat. He is far more threatened of us than we are of him even in our, with our wrong thinking. Even when we are, are wrongly impressed with him, he is far more threatened with us. That's why he's after the word. Immediate, just think about that. Anytime the word is sown, 
Satan comes immediately. Think about that. He doesn't wait. He comes immediately to take that word. If that person won't give that word up, if that person hears it and understands it, it'll get down in his heart. But it says over in, in Mark chapter 4, go over there with me again. First it says that he comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in his heart. But he doesn't always get it at the first try. These are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. How long does it, how long does it take? When they hear, he comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on, sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. Well, that's good. They got off to a good start. They received it with gladness. They had to have some understanding of it or they wouldn't have been glad. Isn't that right? They had some revelation, some understanding of what they heard. They received it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Notice, afterward. When tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Notice, if the devil can't get the word initially, if he can't steal the word out of your heart, if you take the word in and receive it and are joyful, you know, the word produces joy. It produces joy. Jesus said it like this. He said, I, I've said these things to you that your joy may be full. When, when you're full of the word, when it's really working on the inside of you, you have joy. I mean, it just produces joy. Joy and happiness are not, two, are not the same thing. They're two different things. But there's joy in hearing the word of God. It produces joy. And this person received it with gladness. You could say with joy. But they didn't have any stick to itness, if there's if that's a word. It isn't a word, but you know what I mean by it. In other words, they didn't have that, that constitution where, you know, they're just going to lay hold of something. They're not giving it up. They didn't have that perseverance. And he said, afterward, tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake. How many of you can testify? that as soon as you heard the word on something and got really excited about it, it wasn't very long after, afterwards when it just seemed like everything broke loose in your life. And all of a sudden, you're under assault. Have you ever, anybody ever been there? Some people say, you know, I, I was doing pretty good until I got a hold of this word of faith, until I, I heard, you know, that healing belongs to me. I was getting along pretty good. Now it seems like I'm sick all the time. That's persecution and testing and trying for the word's sake. See, the devil isn't really that interested in you. He really isn't. He, he doesn't really care whether you live or die or anything like that. He's not trying to, to kill you because of you. He's not trying to take from you because, because of you. He's trying to get the word out of you. Because he knows that word is powerful. He knows that, that illumination from the Word of God. When you, when you read the Bible, that's why I'm always saying this. When you read the Bible, take time to feed on it. Take time to ponder it. Think about it. Let it get down on the inside of you until, until you, you begin to be enlightened by it. When you, when, what do I mean by that? You, you, you've all experienced it, but we can live that way every day, and we need to live that way every day. And as I said recently, if you, if you haven't been feeding on the word like you should, and it hasn't been fresh and alive to you, when you, when you make up your mind, I am going to give myself to the word of God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here, you know, this morning, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to feed on it, and I'm going to understand it, and it's going to become live on the inside of me. It might seem deader than anything. And that, that lack of revelation, that, that lack of connecting might persist. You just keep on persisting. You just keep on staying with it. Fruit bearing, like I said, does not take place overnight. These things sometimes can take a, a, a little bit of time. It doesn't take very long, but it may take a little bit of time at first. But once you get to a place of revelation, you can stay there. You can live in that. 
And it doesn't take hours a day. It, it, might, it might take you an hour for a couple of days to get, to get the word uh, and the understanding of God's word to begin to flow again in your life, coming up from the inside of you. And suddenly you see how it impacts you. Suddenly it makes sense and, and, and it becomes real and you know that you have this blessing that you're, that you're reading about. Well, once that happens, nurture that. Don't let it sit. Don't, it's, what happens with a lot of Christians is they, they get excited about, oh man, this is so good. And then that other thing that he talks about in the next verse, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the desire for other things, pleasures, all of these things, it can, it can distract you and then you might take, you might go for a few days and, and, and you feel like you're coasting in the glory of what you had on Tuesday, but you're losing what you had on Tuesday. If you don't keep it current, you keep feeding on that and that revelation, that illumination from the word comes. Well, when that happens, the devil's going to attack that because he knows that the word illuminated in our heart makes us dangerous. Christians who don't have any word in them, they're no threat to the enemy. No threat. But I tell you what, when the word of God is alive on the inside of you, Satan trembles. He trembles when he sees that because he knows, he knows better than most Christians know that we are his master. We are his absolute master through the word of God, through the blood of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, by the covenant. I mean, there are so many different ways that we have the mastery over him. So many different ways that we have been have been. Uh, well, we've just been raised up and seated with Christ at the right hand of God. And all of the authority, all of the blessing, all that we need has been given to us and the devil knows that. And we can go out and make tremendous things happen in this life for the glory of God. And he knows that, so he's going to attack. He'll attack in body, and the person who has no root in himself, no, no persistence in a time of, of test and trial, he'll fall away. Well, I thought this stuff worked. I was all excited about this, and, and I've been saying these things, and and now look, I've been, I've been telling everybody that I am healed and, and God's healed me. Now all of a sudden, you know, I've got the biggest case of the flu anybody at work's had. And here I blab my mouth. Go over to, uh, go over to Hebrews chapter 10. We looked at this the other day, but we didn't, we didn't tarry very long in it. Hebrews 10, the last part of the chapter. We looked at verse 35, do not cast away your confidence. Let's back up to verse number 32. He says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, margin of my Bible says enlightened. After you were illuminated or after you were enlightened, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. As soon as the light goes off on the inside of you, the enemy is going to come after you in your finances, in your health. And you know, prosperity belongs to us, just like our healing belongs to us. Prosperity belongs to the Christian. It's part of our covenant. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If you go back and look at the curse of the law, poverty and lack is part of the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Well, if you know anything about the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of God makes one rich. Well, I thought there'd be more excitement than that. Everybody was excited about the fact that we're healed. 
Listen, we've been, we've been given everything we need. Everything that God has is ours. He's put it at our disposal. Now, where, where finances are concerned, there is the law of sowing and reaping that you can't get around. But have you ever thought about it? God, you couldn't sow something and reap it unless it was the will of God. Talking about reaping from God. You couldn't sow financial, you couldn't sow and give financially and God bless you back unless it was his will to begin with. You couldn't just give yourself and manipulate God. So it is the will of God, it is the provision for you to have everything. Everybody in this room can prosper. It's the will of God and it's our covenant right. But I tell you what, as soon as you get revelation on it, you, you ought to just, only reason I'm telling you this is so that you can expect and know how to stand against it so it doesn't catch you off guard. People say, well, man, I was doing okay and I, was, you know, I got a hold of this prosperity message and I, I gave and it looks like I'm going under now. I tell you what, you have to stand your ground. You have to stand your ground where prosperity is concerned, just like you do where your health is concerned. You say, no, 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 devil, you're not taking my prosperity. You're not taking stuff from me. Amen. How many of you have, uh, have uh, you know, scraped enough money together and you believe in God, you know, to, to you have a need come up and you've got this bill you got to pay and, you know, it's $100 and you got your $100 and about the time you're, you're ready to pay your $100, the car breaks down. You got to spend the hundred dollars to to pay for the car, and you still don't have that need met. And it just seems like one thing comes at at that point. You have you have to be determined, devil. You're not taking prosperity from me. I'm a if you're a giver, if you're a tither, you say, listen, I have sown, and I'm insisting on my harvest. I am not going. I will have this need met. It, it takes it takes a determination. And knowing that the whole, the reason you're in this fight is not because of you. The devil wants to get that word out of you. That's what he wants. He wants to get it out of you. And the primary way that people turn it loose is with their mouth. Amen. What are you saying? When the attack comes, it matters what you say. Not just what you do, but what you say. Well, I don't know if we're going to make it. Well, you just said the wrong thing. You just said the wrong thing. I, 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 don't, I might not make it. This doctor's report, I might not make it. Just said the wrong thing. Now, it's not a matter of just, of just talking, the good, the, talking a good talk. You understand? I'm talking about folks that have the word on the inside of them. When you have the, if you don't have the revelation of the word, no amount of talking is going to help. Saying, saying the right thing, if it's not coming from your heart, doesn't produce anything. But when it's alive on the inside of you, oh, glory to God, your words are powerful. And it's at that place the enemy comes and tries to tempt you. Well, you know, it's, you thought this was working. You, this is what you understood, and this is how it's supposed to be. But look what's happened. Look at what has happened to you now. He, he talks about that actually in this chapter. He said, uh, you recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, enlightened, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Have you ever felt like a spectacle? A laughing stock? The enemy will try to make you feel like this. Yeah, you, you've, told, you've witnessed everybody on the job that God's your healer. Woo, and, and look at you now. Your nose is about this big around and red and your eyes are bloodshot and you're running. And what are they going to say? Listen, that's, that's, that's the time in spite of your symptoms that you just start laughing. You just start laughing. Oh, glory to God. I, I, I've, I have had times where I hurt so bad. I had so many symptoms in my body. And I just decided, you know what? I am going, 
I didn't feel like laughing. I felt like taking something and knocking myself out. That's what I felt like doing. Just take something strong and go under. And I just decided I'm going to laugh. And I didn't feel like laughing. And I had to make myself laugh. And I, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You, there was a woman years ago who came up in the, in the ministry line and she was, she, she was suffering terribly with depression. I don't remember now what, what was going on in her life, but, you know, depression can be caused by a lot of different things. And, and uh, I don't remember what it was, but I knew she was depressed. She came up and she was just forlorn and just down and she wanted prayer. And she came up, to, you know, to be delivered. And the Spirit of God said to me, tell her to laugh. Just start laughing. You know what? I could not get her to do it. She's standing right up in front of the whole church. We're in the other building. Years, this was years ago. And I said, laugh. Just open your mouth and laugh. And she just, she just stood there. She wouldn't raise her, her, her head. She wouldn't laugh. Now, you know she had the strength to do it. She walked down there. But she wouldn't do it. She could. And I knew, I knew by revelation, if she had started laughing, that depression would have broken off of her. And I couldn't get her to take the step. She just stood there. And I said, go ahead, sister. The Spirit of God said, laugh. Just, I said, I know you might not feel, feel like it. I said, just make yourself laugh. Make up a laugh. And I even illustrated. I said, just say, ha, ha, ha. And she just stood there. And she had to go back to her seat, still depressed. Tell you what, when the, when the enemy comes against your finances or comes against your health, if you know that you know that you know, you can laugh. Oh, glory to God. You can laugh, you can thank God, and you don't have to give in. Amen? Amen. Why? Because you're dangerous with the word illuminated in your heart. He knows that the, that the word of God in you can break every stronghold that you encounter in life. It can break not just off of you. If you've got the word alive on the inside of you, you're free. He knows he's already lost you. He doesn't want you affecting anybody else. He doesn't want you bringing the life that's on the inside of you to other people. And that's really what it's about. We're in a holiday season right now where, where people, historically at least, have, been, have tended to be open, you know, to their heart softened, you know, to the things of God. And, and that's still true in a, in a measure. People are, are open to goodwill and, and, uh, and wishing people. At this time of the year, it's so important that we stay full of the Word. I talked about this to the prayer group on Monday night. I said, you know, during this time, we've got to... We've got to uh, maintain the reality of who we are and not get sidetracked in this Christmas season and all the festivities and the parties and the, and the you know, and there are things that we're just obligated to do. Life during the month of December can be crazy, you know, but in the middle of that, we've got to keep alive. We've got to keep the revelation of God's word alive on the inside. Individually, as a church, when we come in, we have, to, we have to contend for the move of God and the glory of God, the presence of God. I tell you what, there, I, have, I have been in services before. I've witnessed this right here in this church. When the, you know the devil, I said the devil comes to church. He, he never misses a service. But sometimes the devil sends people. They're sent here by the devil. The Bible talks about people who come in secretly to spy out. Paul talked about this. To spy out our liberty in the spirit. To bring, uh, that, they might, that they might ruin us and cause us problems. But Paul talked about that. I've seen people come in to our service. And, and when they walked in the door, and it is, or at least as soon as I got up close to them, I realized the devil sent these people here. This person or, or, maybe, or maybe more than one person. And I knew it. And without doing anything, we've been, there, I have seen this where we just begin to worship God and praise God and the presence of God come in here. And I'm not saying that necessarily anybody saw the glory, but you could sense the glory of God. I've seen those people just get up and just leave. Just get up and leave. 
it's, it's so important during this season that we keep that. And not just this season. I'm just saying during this season, there's, a, there's, that, there's that tendency to, to be distracted. Let's not get distracted. Let's not be distracted by anything. Amen. Let's keep the word alive on the inside of us. Let's keep the revelation alive on the inside of us. Let's keep the glory of God you know, it's our responsibility to entertain the glory of God. We're, we're, we're not the glory. Holy Spirit's the glory, but we are the temple. And we have, it's our responsibility to constantly create the right kind of environment, and the right kind of atmosphere for God to fill us. And I tell you what, the, in, in keeping the church the way it ought to be, a, a, a church that's full of the word and full of the spirit is a clean church. It's a clean church. Not saying that everybody's perfect. We all have areas where we're growing. I'm not saying that. But you won't have the devil doing a lot of things in a church where people are full of the word and full of the spirit of God. The love of God is flowing. I tell you what, it just stops a lot of stuff. It's a clean church. I know Nancy Dufresne, the first time she came to our church back in 2000 and Whatever. She, she didn't come the first time Dr. Ed Dufresne came, but she came the second time maybe. First time she came at our church, the first thing she said when we went into the back room after church, she said, this is a clean church. She said you could sense it when you walked in. That didn't mean that we're, everybody's perfect, but she said, this is a clean church and it's a safe church. She said, I detected that as soon as I walked in. It's because of the presence of God. Oh, glory to God. I tell you, the word of God will work its supernatural power. The devil will try to take it, and that's what he's after. He's after the word. Don't let him take the word out of your life. Amen. Contend for that. Hallelujah. And, and let's especially uh, lay hold of, and, and sh I shouldn't say lay hold of, let's especially maintain the glow of God during the month of December. Amen. Because I tell you what, there are a lot of people out there in this world that are hurting they're hurting it. December, the, the month of December is, is, is sometimes the most depressing time for a lot of people because they see other people, you know, at least whether it's real or, or, or just apparent, you know, in, enjoying their families and enjoying a lot of things and they're, and they're depressed because they don't have those things. I tell you what, you are the light of this world. You can light that place up. You can light those places up with, with the word and the spirit of God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Do you feel good tonight? Do you feel challenged? Are you motivated? Amen. Keep that word in you. The enemy will come after it, but just understand when attacks come, he's not really after you so much as he's after the word of God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.